Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. In this podcast, we have a remarkable story of a man who was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer late last year, and today is cancer-free. As many people are aware, cancer of the pancreas is one of the deadliest forms of cancer. A number of celebrities have died from pancreatic cancer, including Aretha Franklin, Steve Jobs, and most recently TV host Alex Trebek, along with a number of others. But today we're not going to talk about death, but of living and the will to live. And joining us from the U.S. to tell his wonderful success story is Bob, along with his wife Tammy, and we're not going to use their last name by request. Thanks for joining us, you two. Do you view life differently now that you've eliminated your cancer and have given yourself a second chance in life? Yes. How so? Every aspect of it. I mean, through the last six, eight months, there's mornings you had to tell yourself to get up, to keep pushing forward, keep a positive attitude. And you wake up every morning now and you just feel blessed, like you get a second chance. And that's the way I feel with my kids, grandkids, and especially with my uh, with my wife. Bob, looking at you now, you look healthy as heck. What was your health like prior to your diagnosis? Over the years, I've always kind of gone up and down with my weight, but I've, I've always liked to run and bike and exercise and that sort of thing. And that's this last past summer, I was just kind of like getting back into it again. And that's when I started feeling like I was wore down, fatigued. And I had finally seen a doctor in September of last year. Take us through that process of going to the doctor and your diagnosis. So I was having stomach problems and I couldn't, everybody kept asking me what I thought it was or what it felt like rather. And all I could say is that I just had an unsettled feeling in my stomach. I just knew there was something there. Like even after I had just eaten, I felt empty. Like it was a little just fatigue going on. So I had finally seen a doctor in late September September 27th, I seen a general practitioner, and it was my first time back after about three years, so I had to request blood work. So I had blood work done, they reviewed that, and they immediately got me in for a ultrasound. Then on the 29th, they did a CT scan, and there were suspicions of, of cancer then. Then I had a, a stent put in to relieve the pressure on my bile duct. And that didn't work very well. So they sent me to Madison, Wisconsin, where they put a, a bigger stent in, and then they did further checking, and then they confirmed that I had pancreatic cancer. However, they did say at that point that it had not spread anywhere and that it was resectable. What goes through your head when you get that diagnosis like that? <laughs> a lot of stuff. <clears throat> 
But it's, it's some of the stuff that I did was silly. I felt like I had an immediate honeydew list, so to speak, that I had to get. I had monies that I transferred over into like a, a joint savings and the silly things like the things around the house that, that I've been putting off, I felt I had to get done. And yeah, I just had no idea whether it would be one month, one year, or 10 years. So I just felt a rush to get all that, uh, everything done. Plus, I think you folks were a little familiar with how grave pancreatic was because Tammy had just lost her dad a few years previous to the very same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Tammy, tell me what was going through your mind when Bob got his diagnosis. Well, he went from a man who never was sick to making an appointment for himself. So I immediately told my kids that they needed to pray because if their dad made a doctor's appointment, he was sick. And so we were all praying. And the day before he went for his doctor appointment, we were at one of the 11 grandkids that we've been blessed with, six and under. We were at his little birthday party, and I noticed that his eyes were yellow. Bob's eyes were yellow. And I thought, there is no way he's jaundiced. But I knew that from my father's journey with pancreatic cancer also. So I didn't say anything. And the next day when he called me and he said, they think something's going on with my liver, I still was in denial. And my daughter, who also had very, very close to her papa who died, had been at all the doctor's appointments, said to me, I saw dad's eyes were yellow yesterday. And I just, I just think we were just dumbfounded by the whole thing. And they told him gallbladder at first, but I was very much wise enough to be like, oh, we are not just taking out a gallbladder. There is something more going on. So unfortunately, when you know too much, but not enough. I don't think I slept for seven days. We didn't sleep for a long time. We were both up reviewing wills and doing things that you don't think about when you're 51 years old. And we had just celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary on Saturday night. And on Wednesday, they were looking at pancreatic cancer, which was devastating. But it also quickly turned to, like, what matters? We spent 29 years fighting for our marriage and knew that God could do lots of things. But it was pretty quick that God said, yeah, you're going to love him no matter what. And the little things don't matter. (laughs) So you were actually preparing to die, Bob. And that's the sense that I get. Because you talked about doing things around the house, the wills, exchange of money, things like that. Yes. I wanted to be ready for anything. For I whatever can. happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what what happened next in, in your treatment protocol? Well, immediately when we had started telling people that, that I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, we were flooded with, with people and, and a lot of suggestions on what to do other than today's modern medicine. A lot of the stuff I considered, but a lot of it, I even tried some of this stuff for a short time, but you just kind of have to sort through all of that stuff. 
my wife as well, of, of course, was, was on the hunt to try to find something other than just chemotherapy. The experience that she did with her uh, father, it just it wasn't something that we wanted to wholly rely on. So then she received a message from a, a friend of hers from Galena who referred us to watch some podcast of, of Corey's. And after that, she reached out. And I believe it was November 3rd, I, I had started chemo, but it was probably like the first part of December, I started to do cannabis suppositories. And I did those twice a day for the next six months. I did that twice a day, half a gram per injection. How was your tolerance level? Oh, it was absolutely fine. I was asked to work your way up to that half a gram a day, and I just started with that, and it never bothered me once. You did most of your dosing rectally, correct? Correct, yeah. 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 And if that's done correctly, the chances are extremely high you're not going to get high. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners who aren't aware, what Bob did was a four to one ratio THC to CBD. That was the oil he did. And it was a six strain product with the cannabis component or the CBD component coming from cannabis, not from him. How soon after taking cannabis, Bob, did you start to feel better? I can't really say that I, I had a feeling of being better. I just continued on um, day by day, just continually doing the same thing over and over again. Irregardless, I was sold on it. I mean, I felt like it was what I absolutely needed to do, despite whether I felt good or bad. I just pushed through it. And I will say all I had was that unsettled feeling anyway. But he wasn't sick. Like the things that made him sick were the chemotherapy. Once they put a stent in and they got that tumor off that bile duct, I mean, he felt fine. He could eat anything. He could do anything. It was the chemotherapy that made him feel so worn out, so not not eating everything. But I'll tell you, he had introduced probably smoking vape earlier. Anyway, that would make him eat. So during chemo, when he would feel so that I'm not going to eat, he would add THC after work through smoking, and then he would Mm -hmm. be scouring the kitchen for food. (laughs) (laughs) But we had changed his diet as well. We did do supplements as well. I think that there's a fair bit of interest, Tammy and Bob. There's been a lot of anticipation from different people who have contacted me that are very, very anxious to hear what you guys have to say. So could I ask you to please go into a bit of detail on what supplements Bob took as well as what kind of diet he did? So the first part of the diet, we were very sugar, just no. um, So kind of keto in a sense. And then we were on some quite a bit of supplements during chemotherapy, but the supplement list that we originally took them took him off a lot of those because of side effects with chemotherapy. We did the regular vitamin D with chemotherapy. We did. I don't know if we were doing selenium. I don't have the original list for that. We we really, really uploaded his supplement list with 
50, he takes 56 supplements a day now since chemotherapy's over. Um, and he started that real quickly after chemotherapy was done. And the diet that we follow now is called the zone diet. It's very Sears, kind of a low glycemic, low fat, no red meat. But the supplements that we're on now, we have been blessed with a retired doctor that's kind of helped us with, well, totally helped us with it. Lots of green tea extract in a pill, lots of turmeric a day, mushroom extract. He also was taking turkey tail oil and lion's mane oil as an oil mm-hmm. under his tongue before we got him on all of these supplements. He took that through chemotherapy. I think they really the key in this, Corey, is that Bob and others who have been successful have tried to eliminate as much sugar from their diet as possible. And I don't know how many times we've interviewed people who have consumed large quantities of soda a day. And once they've done that, they've lost weight, they felt better. And reducing your sugar is really, really key because cancer, as Corey said many times, cancer feeds on sugar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Tammy and Bob, first of all, you were, I believe, initially diagnosed at stage three, and then they decided you were stage four. Am I correct on that? And secondly, when did you first start getting some indication that you were, in quotations, headed in the right direction, that things were actually starting to turn around? Because if any, anybody who knows anything about pancreatic cancer knows that it's almost always fatal. And surely there must have been like a lot of like angst going on for you guys. You know, with hindsight being perfect, every single step of the way, things just simply went according to plan. So they did a scan after three months and they said the tumor was shrinking. Okay. Then at six months, it continued to shrink. Excuse me. Was it, was it, did they did a two month scan and it was successful at the four month scan? We wanted to be done with chemotherapy and we looked at his patient portal and they said on the portal that they saw a liver metastasize. That sent me over for an entire weekend because I knew what that meant. We got in on Monday morning because the doctor was out, of course. So they spent three days very much miserable thinking we were done. And our doctor locally challenged the radiologist and they did an MRI and they said it was just a cyst. So we were able to move on to the surgical part, which in the in the Western medicine world, surgery is your only hope um, along with chemotherapy. Now, we believed all along we had more hope than that. And I would say my husband believed in the THC more than any other part of the treatment, but also the diet as well. And Corey, it was actually something you said that he repeats often about the Sugar being oh, miracle girl for cancer. Yeah, every time you ingest sugar, I say this so many times to patients. Every time you ingest sugar, it's akin to pouring miracle grow on your cancer cells. So, Bob, how much oil were you taking then? You got to a gram, did you a day? Oh yeah, yeah. And in two doses, two doses, half gram per dose. And he did morning and night. He's a busy guy. He works ten hours a day. So he did early morning and late evening. And I was questioning, oh, is that enough space in between? But when you think about it, it's like most people do things awake 
he did it more like sleep. And it, yeah. he, he functions wonderfully. I knew there was a way. I couldn't figure it out with my own dad. I knew there was a different way. And it was not until my conversation with Corey the first time that I was like, this is how. I, I couldn't think about how could I get that much THC in him, but leave him on the couch stoned all day. He has to work. We have a home. We have bills. And it was just like light bulb moment when we got to talk to you for the first time. And and we we had talked to people that had the beat pancreatic cancer, some some success stories to well, one to, to motivate us to keep trying. But one thing I remember one guy saying is, he said, you go after it with everything you have. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. It's, it's yeah. after you. So you have to attack it right back. Yeah. What are some of the responses that you've had from your oncologists and physicians? The uh, surgeon in Madison complimented me on my nutrition and the supplements and exercise and that sort of thing. She said most of her patients that come through her door aren't in as good a shape as what I had been. So I I was out of the hospital three days and that was after the Whipple procedure where they remove part of your bile duct, part of your stomach, part of your pancreas, part of your lower intestine, your gallbladder. And then I was back to work in in three weeks. And when my oncologist read the pathology report, he had told us that this was the best report that he had seen for a pancreatic cancer patient in the 10 years of of his career. So then we told him. Yeah. So we told him what we were doing, the extra things that we were doing. And he was sat and listened, but he was quick to just simply say how it must have helped my body to be able to handle the, the chemotherapy better. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they really were not expecting this outcome with the chemotherapy. Both surgeon and doctor were not expecting and were utterly shocked, it seemed as though. Yeah. Our oncologist was especially shocked. I think our, our surgeon felt confident in herself and, and myself that I was able to, going to be able to get through this. They were surprised. I mean, I was ready to get out of there just as quickly as possible. I just hate being hooked up to a bunch of stuff. For, for people who aren't familiar with the Whipple procedure, folks, it's a pretty large surgery, and it generally takes a whole lot longer to bounce back from than what you did. I, if I recall correctly, you were out walking two miles yes. just days after you got out of the hospital, and you got out of the hospital within days. Yeah. Today, he's six weeks out from surgery today, right now, six weeks. Yesterday, we hiked at uh, some trails with our little grand sons and he carried one of the bigger of them on his shoulders on his shoulders he's probably at least 35 pounds or more and hiked with him on day 15 out of the hospital he bought himself a harley sportster because when god gives you a miracle you just take it all the way right that's right (laughs) he's eating you would never know you would never know but I also think like even his surgical site, you have to wonder the THC, the healing of his skin. Oh. I mean, he went and donated some lab work a couple of weeks ago and the, the lady couldn't believe that he had a wound that was only four weeks out and it looks totally healed. 
I don't know what else you could say to that because he started THC quickly after we got home from the hospital as well. Mm-hmm. Day five, I think. Bob, how many rounds of chemo did you undergo? Twelve. Twelve rounds of chemo. Yeah, twice a month. I would go in there on a Wednesday morning. I would sit there <clears throat> into the mid to late afternoon. And then they would send me home with the bag full of drugs that would be pumped into me until Friday afternoon. I went through that every other week. Was there ever a time during this journey for either of you where you questioned whether or not you'd make it? Just didn't know. Every day. That's where you had to wake up and tell yourself you just got to get up and keep moving and keep trying. When that scan came through and it was wrong... I was preparing to be a widow, and that's not fun at 51. We're very strong in the Lord. We believe Jesus is going to take us home, and this really isn't our home. But, you know, you have 11 little babies that are looking at you right now that we've been abundantly blessed with at a young age. And he said, I told somebody the other day, it's fine for me. I'm going to be with the Lord, and it's good. I'm secure in that. But for my poor wife, who's lost her dad, and now she has to do this again, this is not fair. But we're not promised fair on this side of heaven. We're just promised that he'll be with us when we're done. And yeah, it's been amazing. But when they were wrong about the scan, and even before that, I still believed that we were on the right path, that we're doing something different. I thought about taking my dad to Mexico to the Gerson Foundation, but he was so deathly sick by then. My advice to people is don't wait. Don't wait. you got to start immediately because it's going to deplete you. Yeah. And pancreatic is so aggressive too. If you've got that Mm -hmm. diagnosis, you need to throw everything you can at it ASAP. And that's what you guys did. You guys came early. You didn't come with one foot in the Hail Mary pass, which happens a lot for me. And it's so frustrating because you know that it could be a lot more effective and you'd stand a lot bet- bigger chance if, if, if you start out the gates. So for listeners who don't know, too, in cases where people choose to do chemotherapy, if they do it in conjunction with oil, they come through it far, far better by a country mile. And that's not only in the severity of the side effects, but also in how effective the actual chemo is. But particularly speaking about pancreatic cancer, I had an article come through my news feed a year or so ago and out of mainstream news talking about where they're seeing the most positive and successful treatments with pancreatic cancer is chemotherapy in conjunction with oil. And that was right out of mainstream news. It wasn't a cannabis publication. And yeah, you certainly suffered with side effects there, Bob, with chemo, but nowhere near what you could have. And I wish people could see you because you look absolutely the picture, Mm -hmm. you would never, ever know that you had the Whipple procedure six weeks ago. And it's, yeah, you're just amazing. I call him Superman, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He always wanted to be called most superhero movies. He watches all of them. Let me ask you, Tammy, what was your attitude toward cannabis prior to Bob starting to use it? (laughs) Well, Well, I'm making my brother really proud right now. My brother has been and probably wanted to do this with my dad, but we just didn't have the initiative. We didn't know where, we didn't know how. And my brother is super proud of me now. He's like, you're amazing. But I I was the reserved 
probably goody two shoes. And Bob was the opposite of all of that. And, but at, at this point, when you're looking death in the face and you're like, I'm going to do whatever. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I want to, I want to walk the rest of this road out with this man. I had watched and listened to a lot of things over the years. So I don't know what my thought was on it, but I, I knew that as a 14-year-old girl, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer and she was one of my favorite humans. And I remember them bringing her some marijuana to smoke and it would help her, but she would feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. And until I started watching documentaries and realizing we've really been 70 years in the making of being taught that this is a terrible thing for our bodies and it will lead to all these other things and missing the point of maybe it's actually a cure. The story is really fascinating because it was only months ago, Bob, that you were diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And with conventional treatment, the five-year survival rate is 3%. Now, what you've done is you've eradicated your pancreatic cancer and you've changed your diet, you're on supplements, you probably feel better now than you have in years. Absolutely. And you will, continuing to use this, you will be, hopefully, cancer-free for the rest of your life. That's the plan. Now, has, has this health issue brought the two of you closer together? Yes. <laughs> they hugging each other (laughs) it gave us a totally different outlook on our marriage and our our whole life yeah we've done a lot of marriage counseling we've done a lot of fighting our family is not not perfect we're blended bob was married before and there's just rough things in life but this therapy has (laughs) healed us the fastest and the most and i tell people don't wait but I should have learned that a long time ago. It took really looking it in the face. And I've also said, I think it took my dad's journey prior. The Lord uses everything. The wisdom that we gained from that, because I did a lot of research back then. And even watching the COVID things that are going on in the world and what we trust and what we don't trust it has really revealed lots of things that you want to do your own research. And this has just brought us, I don't know, full circle together. And now I go from not wanting to strangle him and kick him. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because I saw something today which had a profound impact on me. And it says to my husband, it could be to my wife, but it says to my husband, when we get to the end of our lives together, the house we had, the cars we drove, the things we possessed won't matter. What will matter is that I had you and you had me. And that's exactly, I think, the way you two feel about each other now. And it's interesting how adversity can bring us closer together. For sure. Oh, absolutely. And you you appreciate the, I guess, the little things in life far more and the things which aggravated you, like traffic and (laughs) silly people just... They don't mean anything anymore, do they? No, no, not at all. Little things you picked at don't mean anything. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't covered or anything that you want to say at all, either of you? 
You did ask about the staging. Our staging was never really good. Like I think at first we had, we'd asked and one doctor said a two and then one doctor said a three. We, I don't know that anyone ever uttered the words four. But what I will say is that the man that works with our supplements, he's been doing some cancer stuff for a long time with some supplements. And he would say, if you're diagnosed, you're always a stage four. It doesn't matter. You know, I think we get hung up on a number and a stage. Yeah. Reality is you need to stop what you're eating, get your gut in order, get your life in order, reduce your mental stress as well. I think that the part of the RSO oil or the cannabis, we were first introduced to RSO oil. The sleeping is a big thing as well. If you're not resting, your body doesn't heal. So he says you're stage four at somewhere else. You just may not know it. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, whether it's stage one or stage four, it's cancer and you got to beat it. And it's visible somewhere. So yep. you better fix it. Yeah, exactly. Guys, I've worked with a heck of a lot of people with cancer in 10 years, and this is one of the most profound recoveries. And it's one of, been one of the most emotional for me. Yeah. You're really quite amazing, the two of you. And your, your attitude I think has a lot to do with it too. I mean, we can talk about the the THC and supplements and, and chemo, but if you don't go wake up every morning and tell yourself that you're going to beat this, it might've had a totally different outcome. I remember I had my treatments on Wednesday morning and I'm walking out to, out to my truck, started it up and the radio came on and it was, that must've been back in October. It was uh Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. And the announcer proceeded to say about the reason we're, reason we're making this aware is because there's only a 10% survival rate. And I'm listening to that. And I had to like mind myself that that's not where I'm at. I'm farther ahead than that because... I've already gone through scans and they've already got me on, on this. And I started with my THC. It's, it's a mental game as much as it is a physical game. Mm-hmm. I always say to people that there is always an emotional component to cancer as mm-hmm. well. There always is. So it's important too, to, as you said, that mindset is really important as well. You guys are remarkable, Bob. You look fantastic. You and Tammy belong together. Me too. No more arguing. Right. (laughs) And your tolerance of THC to me is just remarkable because I could not take what you've taken. And I just think it really is an amazing testimony to the benefits of cannabis and what it can do to heal the body and i want to thank you both of you for doing this and we greatly appreciate it thank you thank you thank you thank you we love you Corey. thanks thanks for listening to cannabis health radio for more information and to search previous podcasts visit our website cannabishealthradio.com Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. 
You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.